If I hadn't shifted that thing internally, would I have had the same vibe when Jordan and I met? Would he have been so attracted to me if I was like, ugh, welcome to my shitty apartment versus I have a fun game. Let's hunt roaches. <laughs> That's the person he fell in love with in, yeah. in a way it's due to that shift as well. Hey there, besties, and welcome to our cozy corner of the podcasting world. It's time for another episode of Share Latte. I'm Min, your virtual coffee bestie and host. Imagine us in a cozy cafe, the aroma of freshly brewed coffee in the air, and ready to embark on an inspiring journey. In each episode, remarkable women share their stories of triumphs over life's challenges, providing a warm embrace for your soul. These tales remind you of resilience and determination, our keys to success. So grab your favorite brew, get comfy, and join us for the conversation that will awaken your mind and heart. You'll discover your own power to turn tough times into incredible strengths. The Share Latte podcast sprinkles hope and courage and the belief that you can not only handle, but thrive into your day. All right, besties, let's embrace those tales of triumphs and get ready for another awesome episode of Share Latte. Hey there, latte and podcast lovers. Today on Share Latte, I'm joined by the amazing Jenna Warner, the wizard behind Parkdale Republic, a social media marketing powerhouse. From tales of her service industry days to building a thriving business, Jenna's got the lowdown and we're serving it up with your favorite cup of joe. In this episode, we'll be spilling the beans on the magic of gratitude and the power to transform your life and business. Jenna shares practical tips sprinkled with laughter and relatable moments, making it feel like we're sharing coffee shop stories. If you're ready to sprinkle a bit of gratitude into your daily brew and make a positive shift, this episode is your coffee date invitation. So cozy up, take a sip, and let's share a latte together. Trust me, this conversation is brewing some inspiration and joy. Welcome back, friends. I am so excited to be joined by my, if you guys don't know, most of my social media is run by Jenna Warner, and Jenna runs everything on my Instagram. But one of the things I loved about Jenna was the story that Jenna told on her TikTok in regards to, and it was a very short TikTok, it wasn't very long, I feel like it was only like 30 seconds about gratitude, and it hit home so much because when I was a young mom, I would have given anything for buns to be in Ottawa. But I'm going to let Jenna talk about how she became who she is now, a six-figure business owner from being a struggling actress and bartender. So let's start there, Jenna. Oh my goodness. That was that was a bit... Okay, first we need to tell them what buns is. Yes, we do. But you're going to get into that because that's where you come in. Okay. <laughs> Okay, cool. So you want me to start at like being a struggling actor and hand model? Oh, yes. A hand model. I was mm. a hand model. What did a bunch you of... into acting? Acting I did my whole life. That was always my whole thing. It was actually okay. really scary to depart from acting because it was my personality. Like it was my entire existence. I've a service provider's You're a service provider. I'm a service provider professionally. It can be hard to separate yourself from your work. When you're an actor, it's that times one million. <laughs> you are your work. You are being, your value is your work. Mm -hmm. You're like, if people like you on stage as if they like you. It's such a mind game, especially when you get into it as a kid like I did. So I was an actor for forever. And then I went to school for musical theater. And then I wanted to have a job. We call them Joe jobs, which is actually probably rude, but like a job outside of theater that just pays the bills while you try and get more like acting jobs. And I wanted to have one that like still contributed to my career. 
So I got a job at a comedy venue in Toronto because I figured I would get into comedy a bit. I'd meet all the comedy people. I'd be networking. Second City? No, it wasn't. It's called Comedy Bar. Okay. I, but like, I hung out a bunch at Second City. I hung out at all of them. And I ended up getting, this was supposed to just be like a job I had for a minute. And I was there for nine years or something. And what? then I basically grew up there. Like the other, I just got married and all the girls in the pictures of, at my wedding, they're all the bartenders for, that have passed through the club over the years. I, invited, I really grew up there and then tried to like get acting jobs. And I was like always off. I don't know if it's obvious, but like always really struggling because when you're an actor, you just don't have control like you do when you run your own service based business like we do. You, you can try and try and just get a whole bunch of no's and you're not paid for those auditions. So you're like putting on mascara and schlepping across the city after you just bartended till three in the morning trying to book a freaking Tim Hortons commercial. And it's hard. It is hard. It is hard. So you had done it your whole life and then decided, oh, I can do this. And so you bartended and acted for nine years. What was, what made you decide to start your business? It was an accident. Did you just, <laughs> I love accidents like this. Because we know that's how I started mine. So how did, what, what accident? Did you trip okay. and fall on social media, Jenna? <laughs> no, so I, okay. When you're an actor, they always say, make your own work, make your own work. So I wrote a show with a friend and we started touring it to different cities. We did the fringe circus. We went to Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton, something like that across Canada. And when I got, and when I was out there, I got so much pressed for myself because I just had a knack for it. I have a knack for entertaining. I have a, a natural knack for social media and a knack for press and entertainment industry because I'd just been like consumed in it for so long. So when I got back to Toronto, two people inside one week said the same thing to me. They said, congratulations on your success. And that led me into a bit of an existential crisis because the show bombed. <laughs> Nobody came. I was proud of the show. I think it was good. I think I did good. I got us a lot of press, but we didn't make money. I flew home between two cities to bartend to pay for the crappy hostel that I was staying in to pay to keep the show going. That. Even better. Yeah. So then when I got back, I'm like starting to think, okay, why did, and obviously I didn't know this in the moment, but looking back on it, I was like, why do people think I was successful? What are they seeing? I was like, oh, they're seeing what I posted on social media. And that is the like traditional press. That's like the breakfast television and the cover of the newspaper and the arts section review in the Edmonton journal. They're seeing that I'm posting it on social media and then they're seeing it back home in Toronto. And they're just like mm -hmm. having like a impression of how I'm so then I got fascinated with that started learning about digital marketing I started learning about publicity I got a, publi a publicist mentor out of LA who started taking me to like TIFF and Sundance and all over the place that was freaking awesome and all the while still bartending none of this is paying me well and then I was volunteering at a yoga studio and the owner kept saying can you run our social media and at this point I didn't do social media at all and he kept asking me multiple times and I kept saying, no, I'm an actor. What are you talking about? And then he said one day, he was just like, when can you come in to discuss your rates? <laughs> okay, sure. Fine. I guess I'm doing this. So I started doing the social media for this yoga studio for the grand sum of $300 a month to run their Facebook, their Instagram, like the whole thing. And the whole thing for 300. Yep. Yeah. And, Ooh. um, 
also when there was nothing established, like the strategy, the daily running of it, all of the content. And then I'm like running contests. And next thing I'm like borrowing lighting equipment and schlepping it on the streetcar across the city. And I'm inviting influencer yogis from all across the GTA to come do photo shoots that I'm facil facilitating, not a photographer. And I'm trading them. And I bought like a camera and I'm like trading them photos for like shout outs. And it became like this whole thing. And I got, and I started having so much fun. And then I started getting referrals. And then I'm like, suddenly I'm in this esthetician's office in Mississauga, like taking pictures of her and she's, you're so cool. And I'm like, I post on Instagram now. And it was, and I just, and then I started doing the bar that I worked for and I blew their social media up. They got so many followers and it looked so, and then I'm like in the green room taking pictures of celebrity comedians, like for the Instagram. <laughs> and it just became this whole, it became oh, this whole really thing. really fell upon it. Oh, That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, each of these people, full disclosure, were paying me $300 a month. So if you're keeping track, I now have a full-time job on top of my other two full-time jobs for $900 a month. <laughs> so, so was this when the struggle financially happened or was this before? I was always good with money and I was really lucky that I think you'll like this. My parents raised me with like certain mindsets about money. Like my mom would teach us to, to think, money comes quickly and easily. Money comes quickly and easily. And I still think that to myself all the time. And if we like were to find a penny on the ground, we have to pick it up and go, money comes quickly and easily. This is oh evidence. Yeah. Like Good she watched The Secret when we were little and before DVDs, like it was a long time ago. And, and yeah. And then she started just like putting all these like ideas in our heads. And I'm really thankful for that. They really helped. Yeah. So, like huge. I'm like living in a attic apartment with cockroaches and I never would have told her I was financially struggling. I'm just like, this is where I am right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. But I was really lucky to have the bar job too, because that means if you don't book a, an acting job for whatever, mm -hmm. I still have this like really good bar job a couple days a week to keep me afloat. And I was really good at managing my money, but there was never a world where I saw no. See, that's a lie because I did see it. Like I, I'm like, I'm going to have a waterfront cabin in the Muskokas. But if you're looking at my money, you're like, how are you ever going to possibly get there? <laughs> oh, talk about a moment where you were like completely delusional and then built it because this is where you're at now. Yeah. It's not in the Muskokas, okay. but yeah. it's still your version of the Muskokas because it's still as beautiful up there as it is. Actually, I think your place is nice. I've been to the Muskokas. <laughs> It's lovely. Don't get me wrong, but I found that water extremely cold <laughs> and very crowded. In my yeah. opinion, that would have been to give a timeline. Like that would have been seven years ago, and now I have a wonderful husband, a beautiful waterfront home, a adorable dog, this office. So it is very different from like where we came from. And I always, I was, I want to be clear that I have a lot of privilege. I'm a white person. My, I, I could have always moved back in with my parents. They're well, they live in Niagara. So there is also that ability to like, okay, like I can take a risk because I'm never going to be destitute. And that also helps you keep that positive mindset too. Of course. I'm just saying this because I think it's sometimes important to like say stuff like this. Um, two things. Once I grew up very privileged. I was from like an upper middle class family. I maybe went to school for something ridiculous and then I was a bartender for a hundred years. 
but I always knew that like I would never be homeless. Um, okay. So all that to say, I was just folding laundry and I remember when I had no money and I went on buns, the Facebook group and traded someone <laughs> to get like all her old tea towels. Cause I had none. And it's pretty fucking cool that I'm now like just feeling really thankful. That's all. So when did you, when did the, so let's talk about buns for a second. What is it? Okay. So <laughs> buns is like this, this Facebook group and I don't think it exists anymore, but it yeah, started Facebook marketplace now. Oh yeah. So it was before mm -hmm. that. So it's this group that started, I think in Toronto and then different cities had their own and it was like a no money trading zone. So if you didn't have a lot of money, it was a great place to get what you needed and give someone something else. And it, so it like cut down on consumerism, lots of clothing trades, but like you'd basically show like, your computer monitor and be like, I need a printer. Does anyone need a computer monitor? And then you would swap. So one time I had bought this $500 little tiny mini computer. This is also before phones were like as adept as they are now. But so like this mini computer and I had bought it for a job that I was working and then I didn't, this is like before all of this. And then I didn't need it anymore. And I found that I wasn't using it, but I was really bad at making food and cooking for myself. So this like catering chef traded me all of this frozen food from his freezer in exchange for a computer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so nice. You can do weird trades on Golden. Yeah. I would have done that too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the moment in this TikTok that you're referring to is because I'm sitting in this like beautiful home we live in and I'm folding tea towels and I realize they're tea towels that I traded for on buns when money was tight. And I don't even remember. I think I traded, I do remember. Okay, I got for Christmas in my stocking a milk frother, like a battery operated milk frother to make like lattes at home. Like, I'm never gonna use this. I don't use this. So I put it up on buns and this girl, and I think that there was also maybe like a bottom with it. Like it was a Christmas gift. And yeah. And so I traded her and she brought like all of her just ratty tea towels from her linen closet. Like none of them were new or nice or whatever. And it was just like, okay, pick your five favorites. And I mm -hmm. picked five favorites. I gave her this like coffee paraphernalia and I still use them. Why wouldn't I? They're still kicking. Oh my God. <laughs> but now if I wanted tea towels, I'd probably just buy them home since but i think it was the moment and i probably watched it when i was probably very emotional because i remember tearing up at that in that video and thinking this is the moment where somebody recognizes how grateful that small act was and what the universe had put into place for you to be able to get there mm -hmm. so can you tell us about the pivotal moment in your life when you realized the power of gratitude and how it influenced your overall, not just your overall well-being, but where it got you to now. Yeah, I was, okay, so let's talk about money for a second. Like I'm hoarding it at this point. I used to always, so I'd make money from bartending and it'd be covered in beer when I got home. And then I would tie elastic bands around it and put it in a, like a mesh laundry bag and throw it in my laundry hamper. Because one, I lived in a very dangerous neighborhood and I thought there was a good place to hide it. And two, I liked the, I liked that it was funny because it was like laundering money because it was like <laughs> bartending tips, which I did claim a huge portion of. 
But anyway. I think she's saying that for her husband. <laughs> like, He's like, look on your face. <laughs> no, I did. Like, I did. Maybe your husband wants me to tell you I claimed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's what I was doing right now. I'm like, trying try as I might to get and also be, trying to be an actor is expensive because you have to pay for classes and like a headshot not anymore yeah, you probably don't even print them anymore but it, it's expensive and, and then once you make money you have to like obviously pay your tax on it but also pay your agent and pay your union and all of, and so it's expensive mm-hmm. so even when you book that one out of every 20 jobs you're like great a small bump anyway I'm living in this apartment and it was a room I'm sitting in my office right now. I think the apartment was about the size of this office. And to be fair, I only had cockroaches a little bit. I didn't have them really bad. (laughs) I I only had rats a tiny bit. Okay, but hold on. (laughs) Let's go back because it's Toronto. And I'm guessing you weren't. How close to downtown were you? Was it like on the Danforth? I was in Parkdale. Oh, you were in Parkdale. Okay, Parkdale is a relatively decent area. It's become very gentrified in the last few yeah. years. And I was yeah. there like right when it was starting to become gentrified. So like okay. during the week, it was like, you don't wear a hood. And then during the weekends, it's new couples with their babies. So. Oh, okay. I see. Oh my gosh. Was the building really old? <laughs> and how big were said rats? <laughs> I'm sorry. Would you go? I had, I only had a little bit of cockroaches. Jenna, like a little bit of cockroaches for anybody else would have been like, no, I'm out. You were you're like, there was only a little bit of cockroaches. There were only a little bit of rats. Like anybody else would have like, nope, ding, ding, out, done. <laughs> Listen, okay. When I met Jordan, he had a fancy corporate job. And I don't know how he ended up in a bartender actor's cockroachy apartment in Parkdale that he couldn't even stand up in the shower in small the shower hit him in his sternum the water <laughs> i don't know how he oh, ended up there. yeah but the things the- you do for the one you love <laughs> like probably- this is all gonna work out one day <laughs> <laughs> he's the bar is on the floor so he is over for the first time and i and at this point i truly i'd only seen a couple cockroaches ever in the, this apartment <laughs> And so I'm like, I knew that I needed to nip it in the bud really quickly. And some people will tell you I'm delusional and that if you saw a couple, you had a bunch, but I'm certain that they came in from somewhere. One I saw in the middle of the night was like clearly dying. And that happens once they've been sprayed. So I think maybe somebody sprayed and then they ran here, but they were already dying. I don't know. But anyway, I'm sitting on my bed. He's sitting at my dining room table because it's a one room apartment. And I see a a roach run along the floor behind him. And so I'm trying to look at him and look at it. And I'm like, I can't just let that thing get away now that I saw it. We have to kill it because I only have a few, I'm pretty sure. And so I came clean to him right away. This is like the first time he's ever over. And I was like, hey, so here's the thing. And so cut to us playing this game where he would lift up my basket full of mittens and he'd be like one two three and lift it and I'm like ready with a shoe to kill the thing if it's there we're like pulling the fridge away from the wall and by the way the fridge is only this high it's because it's a mini fridge because the apartment's apartment's tiny (laughs) but anyway yeah he's so we went on like a roach hunt after we'd only been dating for a minute hours really (laughs) 
I don't know what I'd be, who to be more proud of. You for killing roaches or him for surviving? <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so, so I trooper. To, I'll tell you this apartment. I when I first saw it, I walked in and I was like, "Hi, this is mine." Hello. Like that I was just like point blank to the guy. Like, "Hello. I'll take it. Yes, thanks." And that's not how apartment hunting works in Toronto. Like you have to fight for it and I was just like, oh, "What do you need? Yeah. May I have the keys?" I was just like really and he was shocked looking at me, but I'm just like, huh, I live here now. So that was bold, but I did it. And it was because it was $800, which was even at the time, like oh. an, a really good price. And I had always lived with like people and I was mm. done living with, I was like, next phase, Jenna, we don't have two or three miscellaneous roommates who come and go at any time. Like next phase, Jenna, we have our own place, even if it is this one room. And then it also had this like patio, which was so cute. And it was the attic of, I think that they built a flat topped building and then they built this on top of it. Like it didn't okay. really make sense. And a lot of people didn't even know it was up there. So I felt safe because mm. people didn't even know I was there. And then I had this little patio, which was super tiny up on the roof, which was like, epic and so i loved this place i was really sad to leave it was infested also with raccoons that's another thing i forgot about that but uh, there were so many raccoons and they were not afraid i love of that me. you're just like nonchalant about it there was like cockroaches a couple mice and yeah. raccoons like, yeah yeah you didn't do a lot of raccoons i would have to walk around the roof like climb off the balcony onto the roof and walk around cleaning up poo constantly like you'd get like an entire grocery bag of poo because they were everywhere and i tried the thing is they like they were born there when i was there these this family so they weren't scared of me because they grew up with me there and they were really cute when they were little and then they got big anyway <laughs> it's easy to resent that situation Especially when you've been trying for 20 years to have a career <laughs> and, mm. and it's easy to resent it. And I was like almost begrudgingly saving money because I like wanted this cabin. And I thought that there would be this like time where I suddenly emerge from the woodwork with enough cash in my laundry basket to buy this waterfront cabin. And everyone's like, how did she do it? And I'll be like, cause I worked hard. Like, <laughs> this is my vision. And that's not how literal money works. You hoard it, it does nothing. It needs mm -hmm. to be invested. You need you need big amounts coming in and then making those into wise choices to make them into bigger amounts, hoarding onto every penny and thinking that it will grow. There's no way I could ever, if I was still a bartender, I still, and was doing that, I wouldn't have ever had enough for a down to get. It's just not how money works, which I didn't really know. And I didn't yeah. have any other options so anyway i was laying in bed and or no i listened no i read sorry i read a friend's blog about gratitude mm -hmm. and she had said that it, she's her name's courtney gilmore she is a comedian and she also had a hard hand dealt which is a horrible joke because she has no hands which i didn't mean for that pun but she has no hands and she has one leg so you might think that she like has it rough but she's just got this impeccable attitude and she's so funny and she's so inspirational and she's just a lovely person and so and I don't think she even really wants to be like an icon or anything like that she's not a motivational speaker it's just I think that she even mentioned somewhere that her parents just instilled a really solid positive attitude in her when she was growing up so anyway she wrote a a blog about treating every day like it's your birthday 
because when you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh my God, it's my birthday. And you have this like fantastic attitude. And she's like, what if you just decided tomorrow to treat the day like your birthday? <clears throat> and she like had some other stuff to say about gratitude and, and choosing three things to be thankful for every single day. And maybe that's basic stuff, but I started doing it begrudgingly. And it all came back to this apartment because I would wake up first thing in the morning, look around my apartment. I have to do my stupid gratitude exercise that I told myself I would do. And I'd be like, I'm thankful for my curtains. I'm thankful for my table. I'm thankful for my apartment. And I would really just, I can't drag my feet for this gratitude. And I was doing it every day until I feel like one day I was just like, God, I love this apartment. Man, I'm so lucky to have a window like i i swear that's what happened like i was just like i love this place and then i went i why am i working so hard to buy a cabin in the woods i love this 200 square foot apartment i love everything and i look back on it this apartment so fondly and like you hear when i talk about it i joke about all these crazy things it had but i just loved it so much and i think it's because of this gratitude exercise and then i went hey i don't need a cabin I just want to be out in the nature in woods outside of the downtown core. I should buy a car. I'll buy a car that costs way less than a cabin. And then I will go and leave the city. And so then I bought a canoe off of Craigslist with all of my birthday money that I hadn't spent in the last five years. I'd just been saving it again, but that's not how money works, but that's what I was doing. And so then I went and I got this canoe from this stranger. That's a whole thing, man. I didn't have any car to put it on. My friend and I went with her car and a guy I ran into on the street who I had met at a party who I knew canoed. And I was like, do you want to come buy a canoe with me? And he's yes. And then he came and thank God, because we couldn't have lifted it. And we didn't know how to tie it onto a car with this guy whose name I literally don't even know. And <laughs> Then I tied it to my fire escape and almost got evicted <laughs> because I like lifted up to the second story and balanced a 16 foot canoe on my fire escape. And then my landlord was like, you need to get rid of that. That's a whole another story. Anyway, then I was lucky enough to get a small inheritance and a McDonald's hand modeling job that paid way more than I thought it was going to pay. And then I bought a used Jeep that I still have because why would I replace it? Why would I replace oh, it? Is it? Wait a second. Is that the Jeep that you record a lot of your videos in? Yeah. We also have a safer car that is not a hundred years old that we drive <laughs> as a family. But, but yeah, like I, we still have it. And Jordan knows that it's got so much sentimental value to me because it was such a major investment and such a major moment and such a big, like a life pivot when I was like, I'm allowed to have a car. The first time I got in my car, I was like, am I supposed to call someone and ask if I can do this? Oh am I gosh, supposed to be like, is, I know exactly what you're talking about right now. Have you felt that feeling? When I, and you were there when I think you were one of the few people who knew about when I bought my divorce. I call her my freedom wagon purely because I bought her in cash right after my divorce. And I remember, I remember grabbing the keys one morning to go to Starbucks because I was out in DC and I bought her when I was out in DC with my mom. And I remember being like, mom, I'm stealing the car. I'm taking the car to go to Starbucks. She's like, it's your car. <laughs> what are you telling me? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. And I remember sitting in it and crying a little bit and being like, oh my God, this is my car. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's true. It's like, you have to ask for permission. Can I take it to go into Starbucks? Can I go get groceries? So, yeah, I totally get Someone what you're saying. who grew up with a car doesn't understand this, who's listening right now. And I just can't 
No. I can't even. And then I didn't even use it that much because I was like, when do I use it? Am I allowed? Is it wasteful? What do I do? Still, Jordan's always, you don't need to tell me. Like, because the other car is a Kia and it's both of ours. And I'm always like, do you mind if I take the Kia? He's like, you need to stop asking permission to take the car. <laughs> it's your car. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I get it. I totally get it. Totally get it. I also get the, the mentality of not wanting to give it up in the sense that my kids are now older and they're moving out on their own. And my son keeps looking at cars. And then the other day he was like, seriously, your car is in better shape than anything I'm seeing out there. We both know you're going to upgrade at some point. You just need to tell me when so that I can prepare for when you decide you want to upgrade because we all know you're going to pass it to me. And I remember thinking, I don't think I'm ever going to pass it to you, kid. I think I'm going to wait until it dies. <laughs> and then they're going to have to pry it out of my cold, dead hands. Yeah, like, then I'm going to keep it in the yard as an ornament. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like my little trophy. But I totally get it why you wouldn't want to get rid of it. And it's also funny because my mom, when they moved here to Ontario, or sorry, they had moved in together. My mom and her husband at the time had just bought this beautiful, like half a million. And at the time, this is 20 years ago. So we're talking half a million dollar home, which would be like 1.5 million now on the water here in Ottawa. And a couple months after, my mom had done really well and she wanted to buy her husband a BMW. So she went and bought him a BMW. She drove, she was so excited. She drove home and gave him the keys. And she was like, now we can get rid of your Honda Prelude that he had bought in cash when he was like, I don't know, like 30 or something. Like it was such an old car. He, it was an eight, 1989 Honda Prelude. And he, I remember him looking at her and being like, that's not happening. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> that piece of crap is not sitting in my driveway anymore. And he was like, I'm not getting rid of it. <laughs> I love it. And she was like, it doesn't run. And he's I don't care. <laughs> and my mom literally had to haul a tow truck one day when he was asleep to get rid of his car because he just refused to get rid of it because it was the first thing he bought in cash. And it was so sentimental to him. And I never understood that until I bought my car. And I was like, she oh. stole it from him. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, the look at your face. That's exactly the look that he gave her. You did what? No. So yes, I understand. You won't ever get rid of your Jeep. I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. It's and I I'll justify it like a million ways, sideways, upside down, but here it is. So going back to money as we just dove down the car lane. This is what happens in our conversation here on uh, Share Latte. <laughs> yeah. And I've done a lot of money, like mindset work, which at first mm -hmm. I thought was like woo, but actually, oh, Min, can I tell them about my podcast? Yes. Because <laughs> I, I just, an episode I literally launched yesterday that was like about money mindset, even though it's not my expertise. Mm -hmm. My podcast dear friend, dear listener, is called Shiny New Clients. If you're a business owner, if you have a client-based business like Min and I, then that's the podcast for you. It's all about like social media and ways to get new clients and it's fun and bite-sized episodes. And Min has been instrumental in making it happen. <laughs> it's also so great when you're doing like doggy walks because it's, it's I have a small dog, so he doesn't need a lot of walks. And at, 20, at the 20 minute mark, he usually like lies down and looks at me like, I'm done. Like, you can carry me home. <laughs> Or we can lie here if you um but it's the perfect like hot girl walk if you want to use dennis <laughs> when i listen to them but i will tag that in the show notes because it's probably more than just um 
it's probably more than just a business money mindset. It's probably like an overall business mindset. Or no, well, it money is. Mindset. It's crazy how like things here, I'll tell you what I talked about. Basically, mm-hmm. I went to an art supply store to buy paints because I'm taking a paint and beginner intro to watercolor class. Ooh. To be honest, it's I need something to do at night so I won't keep working into the night because I just because will. You will. Yeah, I will. So I'm tr- I try and find things like that, like macrame or whatever. I'll try a new skill. So I'm down to do this class. Like it's my it's my entertainment. It's good for my brain. It's a good creative outlet. I'm excited about it. So that's where I'm coming from. I have a little bit of disposable income. I'm like, I've already committed mentally to the money that this is going to cost me. I was also buying my friend all of her supplies as a thank you for a bunch of stuff that she lent me for my wedding. So that's where I'm coming from. I walk into the store you want to buy the things and you're good. So what's so important though to recognize is where you are coming from. Because Mm -hmm. then when I got to the till, the girl that had been helping me was like, oh, this is going to be a lot of money. I'm like, oh, she was young. I think she's like (laughs) maybe 19 or something, lives at home type of thing, college student. And she's oh, like, I tried, but like, it's going to be a lot. And I was like, that's okay. Like I'm taking this class and it's my entertainment and I'm it's all right. What's it ringing up to? She's, you're taking, she's, are you taking a class? So I was like, yeah, I'm taking a class. She's like, what class? I'm like, just a class. She goes, okay, I can give you 20% off because you're taking a class. So I was like, great. Thank you. And then she finishes ringing it up and she's like, oh girl, I'm sorry. I tried. I tried, but it's still a lot. And I was like, okay, it was $180. Like, okay. Okay. So then she says, listen, I'm one of those people who lives paycheck to paycheck. And then I still want stuff and I still buy stuff. And then when I see other people spending a lot of money on stuff, I'm like, oh, like that is such an amazing awareness that she knows that. And I think the problem is we don't, we're not aware of it. And we think everybody's looking at money the same way and approaching it the same way. But like I said, when I look back at me being in that apartment, I never would have considered myself broke. Absolutely. No, because I was living. I was like, I was happy. And I had what I needed and all my foundations were covered and everything. But now if this girl was a business owner, like she obviously, she's probably making like an hourly wage in this store. She doesn't care how much she sells. This is what I'm assuming. But Mm -hmm. if she was the business owner, putting that attitude, her own personal attitude about money onto me would keep me from spending more. And it's all neutral too. That's, it's not negative for her to encourage me to spend more if I wanted more supplies. It's just, mm-hmm. I need the supplies because I want to go do this fun thing. And we're both in different mental positions right now. So I just thought that was fascinating. And again, that's not my expertise. I've read everything Denise Duffel Thomas has ever written. I've listened to it all on Audible, but it's not my expertise. I'm just like, think it's fascinating. And I'm sure that someone who's like an expert in that could look at those situation and tell us all sorts of insights about it. But to me, I was just standing there. Wow. How interesting. Yeah. That's so cool. Oh, I love that. Love that little story. Going back to our money mindset. <laughs> Going back to the money mindset that we were talking about earlier. So your overall gratitude came from just shifting your money mindset and getting very delusional and being happy where you were in that part of your life. Yeah, it came from honestly waking up and saying the three things I was thankful for every day. 
Oh, you vocalized them. You didn't write them down. You just you said them out loud. I think I grumbled them, probably. I might have thought them, but I think I just like. <laughs> and so much so that I can see it. Like I can see myself laying there. And I can see what I saw. And I can see how many times I was thankful for the same curtains just because it was like something that was in front of my face. I should start this up again. Like it was transformative. <laughs> how long before that changed? Before it became, because it probably was like one day you woke up and you were like, oh, this makes sense now. I am really happy to be in this place. Was it a couple of months? Do you remember? I don't remember. I don't know how long. Probably not that long. If you look at the way my whole life was rolled out, is if I hadn't have been thankful and happy in my situation, I was also desperately trying to find a life partner. I was like dating everyone. <laughs> oh, I'm like a true Toronto girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So like dating so much and like just being surrounded by horrible men all the time and like bad situations. And then, but if I hadn't shifted that thing internally, would I have had the same vibe when Jordan and I met? Would he have been so attracted to me if I was like, Ugh, welcome to my shitty apartment versus I have a fun game. Let's hunt roaches. <laughs> That's the person he fell in love with in, yeah. in a way it's due to that shift as well. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's a fun game. Let's hand roaches. So how did this, how, so with people obviously stressing this bird out and, and just living their day-to-day -day lives, the gratitude that we push out onto our everyday things and that we don't even think about can really manage our stress and mindsets during the challenging times. But when was it the most pivotal? Was that the, the most pivotal for you? And how did this change your business view? Because also, let's go back. Because you said at one point you were like, I had a full-time job and now I had full-time clients. Yeah. So I guess not my expression of full-time. I've never had a real like office type job. So like the bar, when you work at a bar and then you're trying to be an actor, you're basically not sleeping. So you're working all night and then getting up if you're lucky to do an audition. But also I would always try and get out of the house right away. Mm -hmm. Oh, actually, no, you know what? I have a good one. Okay. Here's another time that it was really pivotal change. I, okay. So we're going back even further before I had a social media business or whatever. And I was just trying to be an actor while bartending. And I went to a wedding with a whole bunch of my college friends and I was sitting in the airport on the way to go home. And I was just like saying to my best friend, I'm like, dude, I just, everything sucks. <laughs> everything sucks. Like, what am I doing? Like uh, after college, some of my friends went to Broadway <laughs> and I'm here with going home for Christmas and everyone's, we saw you in that Philly cheesesteak commercial. And I'm like, great. One, that's a ridiculous thing to be known for too. That's the only commercial that I booked in X number of months. Do you know what I mean? And everyone thinks you're like so fancy for being this fucking chili Tuesday commercial. But anyway, so I'm like, dude, everything sucks. What am I supposed to be doing here? And she's, and she goes, okay, let's do this. Let's, let's write a list of all the things of some goals. And we're just going to like chip away at this. And one of them was like, I hate my house. 
and she's okay. So like I was my living situation, it wasn't in this apartment. Like it was a different living situation and okay. So let's, how about you like start drinking coffee out at the cafes around your house because they are also always filled with women who write like women who write for blog to yo and women who write for TV. And I knew them all because I bartended and then I could like make friends with them. And it was also inspirational and all of this. Right. So I had, so I'd set all of these goals and then a year passes or whatever. And I had been really beating myself up because I looked at my finances and I was like, what am I doing? Where's all my money going? And I like added up my receipts and I had spent like a thousand dollars on, or like $800 on Ubers and $800 on coffee and all of this. And I was like really beating myself up for it. Meanwhile, I was trying to save to go to LA to try and be an actor. And I was working like a billion jobs to try and do it. And so I was really beating myself up. And then I found this list we'd written in the airport. And I was like, oh, I spent all that money on coffee to remedy the fact that I didn't like my house and so that I could meet people. And now I've been writing because I've been going to these cafes every day. So instead of shitting on myself for that, that giant amount of money that I spent on coffee, realize I used that as a tool to get to here and now I'm ready to take three steps forward. Now maybe yeah. I don't need to spend that money in that way, but don't resent where I put it because that was this stepping stone. And now that healed this thing where I wasn't in my house as much in a toxic environment. Now I'm time, time to go on to the next step. And the same thing with the Ubers. Yes, maybe I've been taking too many Ubers, but one that gets me home safe, gets me home faster so I can work my 16 jobs. And I was going out a lot to watch comedy and watch improv and, and do improv and sing in cabaret shows and stuff like that. And so I was like keeping busy all over the city and that's where the Ubers were. It's not like I was Ubering to McDonald's to get like a milkshake in the middle of the night. Like I was going real places and meeting people. So it was at that moment I was able to look back when I found the list of, oh, all of my decisions have led me to where I am. And now mm -hmm. I get to make new decisions to get to where I'm going. Right. And mm -hmm. not shame myself for the choices that I had made. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I love that. Ooh, that was huge. Not shaming yourself for the choices that you had made. That's amazing. And then coming up with that list, did you just write everything down of where you would, where the money was going and then what it was meant for? And then you were like, wait a second, this was all yeah. meant for a greater purpose. Yeah. Literally what I had been doing was I wanted to go to LA and I decided because I, I would try anything to be an actor. Like you tell, tell me it would work. I would try it, take the mm -hmm. class, cut the hair, whatever. And there was a class I wanted to take there. And I also thought maybe if I moved there, things would be different. They would, definitely would have been harder. <laughs> but so the class was two months. So I thought if I could save up enough to go do this like two month class and I could live there and see what it was like and maybe meet people and maybe make a manager magically fall in love with me, then things would change. So then I was like bartending and then I would literally bartend all night and then like sleep for three hours, then get up and serve brunch. And then there were times when I would go from brunch to literally walking directly to the bar, unlocking the bar and opening the bar and working night again. So like oh. <laughs> just to try and make the money to go on this big, fabulous excursion. Oh That's also goodness. a time where I like collected a lot of anger in my body, not even realizing Ooh. it. Anger and like fatigue and like actually ended up in the hospital at one point because of that overwork. Yeah, um, burnout, the stress. 
Yeah, yeah. You stop healing. Like I got a wound mm. that was like tremendously infected because I just wouldn't I'm jumping around a lot with a lot of crazy shit throwing it at you right now. But basically no, I, I worked like the night oh, and then I and then I worked the day serving brunch, which I was very bad at probably because I was tired. I actually learned when you get to a certain level of fatigue, you can't read facial expressions anymore. No, you can't. So I thought that I was a really bad brunch server and that all my tables hated me, but I think I just couldn't uh, comprehend neutral expressions. (laughs) So don't tell the owner. There were times when I would pay off my tables. I had done such a bad job. I would be like, listen, I'll buy all of this to you for you if you don't complain. (laughs) Because I I brought you all the wrong stuff and all of that. So anyway, so then I leave and then I go to the bar again. Like I lock up brunch and then I go unlock the bar. And it was my closing shift, which meant you could make a lot of money. And I my ankle was like really in pain. And my girlfriend I was working with, she has eczema and I had eczema on my ankle. And I was like, Don, could you just look at my ankle? Because I, I think it's it's in pain. Like it's not just the skin that's itchy, like it actually hurts. And she's, oh, I'm sure it's fine. Wrap some saran wrap around it with Vaseline. And I'm like, okay. And then a couple hours later, I'm like, didn't you just look at it? I put my foot up on the step stool in the kitchen and she, I was looking at her, no, I was looking at my ankle as I like unwrapped it to show her and then she didn't say anything. And so I thought, oh, maybe it's not that bad. And then I looked at her and her face had just dropped and she was, oh my God, that's not good what we're seeing right now. But I was like in overwork. I I was like in overdrive, overwork. I was not even paying attention. So I just popped some Advil. I literally ran home because oh, I lived right next to the bar and I changed my pants to put on wide-legged pants and sneakers because mm-hmm. if I wore skinny jeans, there was no, they weren't going to come off because my ankle was too swollen. And then I ran back to the bar and I was like, okay, you can go. I've got it. Close the bar. Woke up the next morning. I had a meeting with a friend because we had this extra sort of thing that we were running at the time. And I swung my legs over my bed and I couldn't stand up. And so then I was like, I called him. I was like, cool. I don't think I can meet you for brunch because I can't walk. But if we meet at the brunch restaurant on the corner of my street, I could probably hop there. And he was like, okay. And so I hopped to brunch on one foot, still not flagging that anything's wrong. Still just a complete crazy person overworking. See, this is why I need to paint at night instead of overworking. Completely no overworking. And so I hopped to the restaurant and, and this is like a Sunday morning and put my foot up like on a chair beside me and we're like having our meeting and this like really lovely adult couple beside us leaned over at one point and was like, Hey, we think you should go to the hospital. And I was like, oh really? My God. And she's like, yeah, I think you should get that looked at. And I was like, Oh, fine. I'm busy. But so I finished brunch and then I get a taxi to emergency. And I remember where, from where he dropped me off, like I, I was like, oh, couldn't he brought me right up to the door? Like I can't walk down. And then I'm like waiting at the back of the, the lineup at like the help desk. And I remember someone like, and I'm waiting to find out where to go to get to emergency from where I was in the building. And someone like looked over top of the whole lineup of people. And he was like, you, what do you need? And I was like, emergency? Do you know? Hey, oh, I'm just looking for emergency. He's yeah, it's that way. And he has someone walk and I had to ask her to slow down because I couldn't keep up with her. And then I got to emergency and there were all these people that were like, not okay. Little did I know Mm -hmm. I was one of them. (laughs) 
yeah. all these people that are not okay. And then they see me and I was like, what are you sure? Because there are people in here that are not okay. And yeah, so she, they saw me within minutes and the person was like, or the doctor was like, okay, the infection hasn't made it into your joint yet. So you're pretty lucky. And they put me on antibiotics right away. And it was actually really bad. And I felt so bad that I was taking away time from other people who didn't do this to themselves. And mm. this, I didn't shake this overdrive, bad personal care behavior right away. Like I went out that night with it wrapped up because it was ugly, but I like went out to <laughs> watch a theater show, but I slowly started recovering, realizing I can't behave this way. <laughs> this isn't the way to get what you want, like working this hard and being this irresponsible mm -hmm. has repercussions and it's not funny until 10 years later when you tell it on a podcast and then it's funny again. still not that funny but i get what you're saying oh my god so that's exactly what we're talking about so the stress and the burnout really got to you because your body was like okay if you can't figure out to slow down we're gonna make you slow down but you still didn't really listen yeah Wow. Yeah, exactly. And I'm really thankful for that strange woman who put her nose in my business at that restaurant because I would have literally, I, I could have lost my foot. Yeah. Or even still, I might one day get arthritis or whatever in that ankle because of that infection. But yeah, just, and it, it also comes from being really goal driven, but not really having the right, not taking the right route to get there ever Absolutely. but trial and error lots of trial and error <laughs> that's a tiny percent of just being human not just as a business owner but just being human so when you decided to get really sort of not focused but intentional on your gratitude did you start practicing it every day and you still do it now I think a lot of it is baked into it because I'm a big on those neural pathways, right? Like we have yeah. to create those neural, like when I teach social media at the beginning of the day, I just constantly force everyone to <laughs> put a win in the chat and tell me something positive mm -hmm. that happened on their social media this week. And it's partly because I want, I want to recognize it and talk about how they got there and have the testimonials. But it's also just so people can like stop, realize the good things you did this week. If you're mm -hmm. just ignoring them constantly, then you're going to have fewer of them. But if yeah. you recognize them, you create neural pathways to continue to recognize them. So recognize them. And then you will hate yourself less. You will hate social media less. You will hate your business less. Like all of these things. So I'm constantly like forcing that belief on people as like a structure of my, how I teach. But so I think a lot of it, the gratitude is built into how I live, like with the money mindset stuff. Like I said, when you find a coin on the ground, but I'll, I'll go in waves. Like I'm not good at practicing anything consistently, but I'll just go in waves of trying to do my like four things a day or the shower is a good time to say your three things that you're grateful for what because you're in the shower anyway like what else are you doing when trying to have those sort showering, of good habits Jenna, for showering <laughs> what else are you doing um to my shower <laughs> you know i get it yeah do you have a good repeated practice that you like stick to i i I've, you know what, I've tried heavily to say it out loud, and I still struggle with it, which is probably why I notice a lot more of my hurdles very quickly is because the minute that it becomes difficult for me to say, then I'm like, oh, there's something behind that I don't understand. And then I'll do the work to figure it out. Especially after reading 
or not reading, but listening to that book that I love that you told me about. Get Rich Lucky Bitch? That's it. Yes. Thank you. So the minute that I feel like there's a hesitation to say it, then I, I recognize that there's work, but I do script a lot. Like I write a lot and I'll write everything in like my future self. So especially at the end of the year, like on the, on the 31st of January or December before I go out for the evening or have any plans that day, I will sit down and write a letter to my next year self. Do you know how many times times I find scraps of paper that have me asking for stuff that I got? Yeah. Like I, Oh, here's another material money related thing. I found a notebook from with a list of stuff that I wanted to buy. I'm not super material. I love to thrift. We don't, I don't spend a lot of money on things really, mm-hmm. but which, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just, that's just my, what I do. But I found a paper list of all the stuff I wanted and I ran out and it was old. It was in like an old notebook and I ran out to Jordan and I yelled over the edge of the R like through, throughout the house, Jordan, listen to this effing list. I have everything on this list. It was like Jeep, Mac computer. Oh, I wish I could remember it because some of them would think that's not very big, but whatever. It's something I didn't have and I wanted it. And it was this, and I had everything on the list. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Part of it is like you release it, right? Like you're supposed to release it. Yeah. You're not supposed to have attachment to it. Yeah. So I think that's part of it is like when I write it in a list and then I just get rid of the notebook and start doing something else. And then like you find it and maybe it's 10 years later, but you've released expectation and then manifesting. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. You need to make a new list now. Apparently there was this TikTok I saw months ago, probably a year now ago, where the girl was like, make a list of 101 things that you want. Because by the time you finish the 101 things, you will have completely forgotten what number one will be. Also, it really makes you dig deep on the, like, the things that you want. And I was like, I don't even know if I have 101 things that I actually want. Who has that many things of the things that they actually want? But yeah, in, in doing that exercise, I found that list a couple of days ago. And I was like, wait a second, I already have 50 of these. How did that happen? Like, you don't think about those things, right? It's fantastic. I know. I I get really excited. I also, it's funny because I I was just talking to you about a letter that I wrote to myself. Something in, I accidentally found it. And I was like, what is this? And I don't usually open it up. But because I moved before, at the end of last year, I moved in March of this year. So I stashed it away in one of the boxes or something. And I hadn't really opened up the box. I was like, oh my goodness, what's this? Because I was looking for the plug for my electrical blanket this week because I was freezing my butt off because I was sick. Um, but I was like, this envelope fell out. And I was like, what is this? What Did I just write, write this? And I accidentally opened the letter to myself that I wouldn't be reading now on December 31st. And it, on that list was go to a, a business retreat. And I was like, oh! I know. I was so excited. I was like, yeah, I need to close it up. And I don't want to get this right now. I don't want to know what else I accomplished this year. So I get really excited when I see things like that. Cause I'm like, oh my goodness. I didn't even think I put that on the list. And it wasn't. And at that point too, like when I wrote that letter, I didn't even know about Palm Springs. No, I, I don't think it was planned it. yet. No, like it wasn't even on my, in my radar, on my list. I just remember putting it down and being like, I want to go to a business retreat because it was the first time that I felt like I was ready to take the next step in my business. So that's 
fantastic. I know. I get very excited about that kind of stuff. And I think that you were supposed to read that to get this Mm -hmm. energetic boost, like you're lit up right now talking about it, which is going to help propel you into the next thing. But the fact that the envelope jumped out at you, like it jumped out at you. It literally jumped out. Like I was like pulling at stuff and then it like fell out of the box that I was like undoing. And I was like, how long has this just been sitting here? And how lazy have I been just to not, like I've been here for six months. Min, unpack your crap. You know what the universe is saying? The universe is saying, how long until Min starts celebrating herself? And uh, it's so funny because I tell my clients this all the time. That's you tell your clients too, right? Like this is the first thing you tell them. And I do the same thing with my clients. What was the best thing that happened on your podcast this week? And 98% of them will tell me and be like, I did nothing on my podcast. I'm like, hold on. What was the, what was your favorite thing that happened? Was it, was it you recording another episode? Because sometimes that's all it takes is the reminder that you accomplished one small thing or you're grateful for that one small thing. Yeah. I, yeah, celebrate, I, which something I don't do enough of. Okay. When I was in, when I was in California for those couple Mm. of months, I met this woman and I was hanging out with a crowd that like, I had no business hanging out with. They were so fancy and cool. And I wanted to be like them. And uh, there's this guy and he like had, he was Canadian, but he had a mansion in LA and this was his wife. And I think she was an actor and she was perfect. Like I looked at her, I was like, you're perfect. She was pregnant. And she had this blonde ringleted hair and a Southern accent and she's five, eight. And I was just like, and everything she said sounded like this. And I was like, you're perfection. And (laughs) it's just so sweet, emanated sweetness. And so I think I was expressing that. I just like really wanted a husband or a boyfriend (laughs) or someone. And here, here's what you got to do. You go home and you write out everything you want that man to have. And then you're going to fold it up and put it under your pillow. That's how I got him. (laughs) This is what she said to me. I don't even know who this woman is, but bless her heart. Anyway, I did it. I didn't put it under my pillow. I was like, that's going a little too far. (laughs) But but I wrote out all the things that I wanted in a man. And then I don't know where the piece of paper is now. Maybe it's gone, but I'd like... Jordan is all of them. And I thought that I was being maybe a bit audacious, but like he is every single thing on this list. I was like, oh, I designed you. Of course. <laughs> of course. You think he came like that? No. <laughs> I love that you designed him. That's amazing. I remember somebody else was telling me that years ago before I had met my ex-husband. And I remember we were sitting with a group of girls and I'm not going to mention this girl's name, but we we're talking about it. And one of the girls is like, one of the things on my list, what if he just never obtains it? I was like, then, and I have to settle. And I was like, then you can't make the list where you have to settle. You can't settle for things that aren't on your list. It, it, he has to match everything. And there will be a guy out there who matches everything for you. So you just have to be patient to get so that he has time to catch up to where he's supposed to be with you, which means you need time to become that person to get to be with him. Oh, that's, I love that. The patience part. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned. This ties into how we grow as a person to get to where we need to be, because you can't be with somebody like you just said it, like would Jordan have fallen in love with you if you were still in that crappy feeling like the stuff life sucks. (laughs) Like I have cockroaches and it sucks. Whereas you were like, I have fun game. And you're like, that's the person you fell in love with. Would it have been, would, or would you have even recognized him if you weren't at that gratitude and grateful place in your life? 
Mm-hmm. Like, would you have been, because you really do attract what you and how, who and how you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and also, if anyone's sitting there and you're judging yourself or whatever, all of this is mm-hmm. only in hindsight. Like, telling these stories yeah. or recognizing these moments, like, not all of them came right away. Like, it's when you look no. back on it and you can put the puzzle pieces together. And, oh, that that worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you yeah, find the exactly. list, when you're moving and the envelope jumps out. Yeah. And I guess so before we get too deep into that for a second, Jenny, you make it sound really easy for people to build this six-figure business and have this dream life that you have. Because if you go follow Jenna on Instagram or TikTok, you'll see that she's got a beautiful, gorgeous home. So what? how long were you in business before you got here? And what? how much of that like mind shift and gratitude change contributed to you getting to six figures? Yeah. Okay. So in classic Jenna form, I'm going to answer a question in a weird way, but okay. So Jordan and I get together and he's got a fancy corporate job. And then we Mm -hmm. move in together into, we leave my apartment. I was very sad. I didn't want to leave, but we needed to have an apartment that where he could get showered more than just his sternum. That was the first time that I was surrounded by him, like surrounded by other like humans who weren't also struggling financially. So that weren't artists who weren't in a band, weren't bartenders. Mm. It was a different caliber. And I do credit some of my shift to that because you are the people you hang around with. And, and it was like, oh, there's a world here where normal people go to Loblaws and not no frills. There's a world here where young people can make money and have a different standard for what good money is and all of that. And that kind of opened my eyes to it a bit. So then I started, like I was, again, I was still overworking. I was still who I am, (laughs) who I was overworking, working like crazy, but at a nice desk in our nice apartment. And uh, I started getting a lot of referrals and I would just post about what I was doing and then all these jobs would come to me. And so I think I got up to, they say that the first 30K is easy. And then in the first couple of years, you can like double really easily. So it's not uncommon to like double what you're making. So I think that I was set to make $70,000 in a year after like very quickly, one or two years when after starting to decide to go full tilt because when you oh as I was saying when you were when you're bartending you work all night but then you can't work at 9 a.m the next day because you're cooked so then you're cooked all day and then you can't work at night because it's night and then so even though I was only working a couple days a week it was like frying me and I would Mm -hmm. pour back I'm like oh I'll only work Wednesdays and the weekends okay I'll only work the weekends okay I'll only work Friday and I was just exhausted because I was working too many hours on my business and then also not sleeping doing this bar thing and then you're nighttime daytime's all messed up and then eventually my agent called me and was like hey looks like your business is doing well on social media did you want to talk to me and then I basically had she basically we had to sever ties and I had to admit that going to choose my business over auditions at this point and that was really hard and Jordan helped me do that and then he helped me quit the bar and all of that is a very condensed version of what happened but once you get up to that kind of income and you're still doing it all on your own, you then mm-hmm. reach a ceiling realizing that you're going to need help in order to make more from there. So yeah. I actually believe, and don't come for me, but I believe as a service provider, it is easy 
to hit that first 5, 10K, 20K, 30K. And then I think it is with a little bit of grit and a little bit of marketing, you can hit that mm -hmm. next 50K, 60K, 70K. And then once you start to get to there, it was like harder and I needed help and I needed coaching yeah. and I needed business strategy and I needed people to tell me what the heck to do if I wanted to like sleep and eat in the same day. Right. But then growth oh. from there. Yeah. Then you need support. Yeah. Like basically I got to a point where I was like, okay, I've made it this far only just asking my girlfriends what they think I should do when I come up to hurdles in my business. <laughs> and I think I need to ask someone who maybe, oh, I don't know, has a business. <laughs> oh, and how much of that was like a major mind shift in regards to not only just gratitude, but celebrating yourself. Oh my God. It's constant growth. Maybe, you know what, come to think of it, maybe that's part of why I was so exhausted because it, you're also constantly learning. Like mm. every day is a new neural pathway of like how to talk to clients, how to market yourself, what a website is, what does the word scale mean? Like even the language that people are using in meetings, people who like business people are using in meetings to me, I don't even know this, these words. And then you have, I had no boundaries with any of my clients. So that's, that was exhausting. So that whole phase was really exhausting. I do remember the like analogy Jordan used to help me like finally quit my job. Like it was becoming toxic. I was too old to be in that environment. I was really jaded after that many years of serving and I think in like pictures and he said, Jenna, you've got, you're doing this. He's like reaching one arm up to the sky with one leg on the ground. And he's like on your leg, you've got this like cauldron of cash of like gold coins, like at the end of a rainbow, this like big, yeah black heavy lead thing full of gold coins and that feels really good because you got them right there in your hands but like mm -hmm. up here on this like cloud is infinite potential Ooh. and this like this these gold coins are weighing you down and they're keeping you from stretching up to this thing in the sky wow and that made me go i still remember where i was standing when he said that and that visual and i was like yes the bar has limited potential. You can only work so many hours. You're going to get tired. You can fill those tip jars with so many toonies. Yep. Before, and that's all you can do. But having my own business, raising my prices, hiring a team, I now work with five people, six people, and infinite potential with this new thing. Ooh. Oh, I love it. Oh, talk about someone who really knew you, too. People to give yeah. you that visual. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He's good. Amazing. We'll keep yeah. him. <laughs> so looking back in your life journey, what's the most profound lesson you learned with the role of just overall gratitude for your overall business and happiness and fulfillment where you are right now? Yeah, that's a really big question. <laughs> but I really do think there's like all this world around mindset and then monetization of mindset and mm -hmm. so many ways of looking at it and some are more concrete and some are more woo and it can be a kind of a cloudy, murky industry even. But really everything is what you how you see it. Yeah. Like I'm that annoying person that when something bad happens, I'm thinking of two reasons why it's good. And you have to be careful when, if you still want to be an empathetic person to the people around you and that's what your brain does. But now my brain literally, I don't try and do it. My brain does it. Oh, my favorite mug broke. That means we get to go to 
to the ceramic store and we get to have a Tim Hortons coffee, which is going to be fun. And we get to pick out a new mug and we now have room for it. And we get to put a plant in this one. Like my brain is immediately going, here's five reasons why this is good. That's amazing. How long did that take to cultivate? I'm not perfect, <laughs> especially when I'm hormonal. But I, that's, that's a decision and that's like a lifetime of practicing it. And then I'm sure somebody could tell you the answer on how long it takes to like really secure a new neural pathway with a new habit like that. Yeah. That's amazing though. I think start, start by just shouting out things that are beautiful. I'll always tell Jordan five times how pretty the sunset is in one single sunset. But are you seeing it? But look at the purple. <laughs> just comment on things that you're happy about. Comment on things that are beautiful. Be thankful. Spend a moment being thankful for that hot cup of coffee instead of try just letting it go by. Say this yeah. food is delicious when you're eating delicious food. Like it just little habits like that, I think, help. Oh, I love it. Love it. This is great. I love this conversation. I love that I laughed out so much. This is exactly what I needed for my week. <laughs> um, but, but before we completely wrap up, Jenna, why don't you tell people where they can find you and, and your, obviously your podcast again? Yeah. Okay. If you are interested in growing on social media, especially if you have a business, a service-based business, find me on any social media, especially TikTok and Instagram. Oh my God, man, I'm breaking all my own rules. Can I start again, please? <laughs> yeah. Got it out. Okay. Don't worry. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Go. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Jenna's page. It's Jenna and then P-A-I-G-E because it's my middle name. So come say hi there, especially if you listen to this podcast. And if since you're a podcast listener, if you're also a business owner, you're going to love Shiny New Clients, which is my brand new podcast. Amazing. I love it. And one final question, Jenna, before I let you go. What's your favorite coffee order? Oh, my God. I'm so basic. I love drip. Just give me drip. I'll be at the nicest place. And I'm like, I just want drip and good atmosphere. Do you know what's funny? I didn't know what drip was until I went out to BC. And there's this, there's a place on the island in Nanaimo called The Drip. And I was like, why is it called? I remember just going in there with my mom. And she's like, they have the best coffee on the island. And I was like, okay. Thinking there was just some... I won't lie to you, it was a hippie coffee place that I was probably going to love too much, which is true. I do love it too much. But I completely walked in there. I was like, why the drip? And the girl explained it to me. I was like, oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> it felt so dumb. How old were you like, in this story? Yeah, this was like two years ago. Oh my <laughs> you have no right to host this show. <laughs> no. For you guys. <laughs> so funny. All right, well, thank you so much, Jenna, for joining us. And I guess we'll see you guys next time on Share Latte. A huge coffee fueled thank you to Jenna Warner for brewing up such an inspiring conversation. Your insights, laughter, and genuine warmth have truly made this latte date unforgettable. To you, my latte besties, may your coffee stay hot, your spirits soar, and your heart be filled with gratitude. Until next time, May your coffee be strong and your gratitude be bold. If today's episode warmed your heart, please hit that subscribe button and join me on future journeys. Enjoyed the chat today? Your thoughts and feedback mean the world to me and they really help others find the magic and share a latte. Every story enriches our journey. 
Remember, you can turn your trials into triumphs and your scars into stars. Keep believing and keep chasing those dreams. This is Min taking her last sip from the Share Latte podcast, where life happens and coffee helps.